The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to First Bite, the Pride of Detroit preview podcast where we are now previewing. I guess it's not even previewing anymore since we are in the offseason officially. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the co-host of First Bite. With me, as always, is Ryan Matthews. Ryan, how are we doing tonight? Uh, I'm I was just about to say I was wet because I'm getting out of the shower. But Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, P.O.D. after dark, everybody. It's going to be that kind of episode, huh? <laughs> right out of the uh, gate yeah so in the case this is the first time listening to our midweek podcast uh for the past couple of weeks we have been talking uh, about gm candidates coaching candidates and we've had a uh, special guest with us each time that has a little more background on that person than we do this week or at least one of these episodes this week uh spoiler we're gonna have more than one uh george payton is the the topic at hand he is the current assistant general manager with the minnesota vikings so with us we brought back our good friend Arif Hassan from the Athletic Minnesota. Arif, welcome back, buddy. Hey, man, how's it going? Love the mustache, dude. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, <laughs> it's very aggressive, and it probably is not long for this uh, this life. Yeah, it's for bold. You. I think bold is the word I would have chosen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, he's so full of it. Here's the thing, Arif, is that we have like crowdsourced this mustache on yeah. Twitch. People have been like upping the ante and meeting Jeremy's like demands that we have to have so mm-hmm. many subscriptions. And I'm holding he's a holding day. everybody hostage. Yes, absolutely. It's incredible. <laughs> I know. It's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> the mustache right. is cooler than he is. <laughs> that, that's no just complete, completely unnecessary. <laughs> uh, let's get to George Payton because we want to get in out here, uh, get Arif on his way because... Uh, I mean, he held me hostage on his podcast to talk about the Lions Week 17 game. Uh, I'm going to hold him hostage a little bit here, talk about a guy that maybe um, not a ton of people know anything about because, you know, he's behind the scenes. Uh, I don't believe he's probably ever talked to the media, so uh, might make it kind of hard on you to, to talk about him a little bit. But we need to talk about him, uh, I think, because they interviewed him today, Thursday. Um, and the interesting note of that interview is that it was in person and it was the first external candidate that had uh, an in-person interview and Rod Wood, the, the team president said specifically that um, they were going to hold off on in-person interviews until um, they, they get to finalists. So 
ipso facto this this guy might be a finalist and so must be serious let's let's talk about him and i i I guess we'll just start with the very basic arifa what do you know about him okay so i see also already in the chat people like yeah i don't know much about him i'm excited to learn about him and i'm going to disappoint all of you (laughs) um i mean he so he's so remarkably private that it's actually very difficult to get very much information on him at all which you know credit to him i don't want to say like that's you know a problem but um he you know, he doesn't make himself available to the media. A lot of people have tried to kind of reach out and he declines to do, um, you know, pieces on him or, or get, let people get to know him. So it's, it's actually very difficult to know kind of who he is and what he does within the organization, which is very unfortunate. But I already I already told Jeremy beforehand that this was going to be the th- like, I don't know very much about him, but I am going to try and talk as much as I can about the way the Vikings have built the organization to see if maybe that's a good way. Um, to understand how the Lions might approach the thing if they do hire George Payton. But one note, I think, is that he's been very, very selective about um, you know which organizations, even that he'll interview with, but even organizations that he interviews with, um, he's been selective about whether or not he wants to uh, join those organizations. So from that, I think we can learn a couple of things. The first is that um, he's extremely well regarded because he's been sought out for interviews for years now and yeah. has turned down multiple organizations. Um, and, uh, and so some of them have reached out to him and, and he, and he completed the interview process. And later he tells them that he's not interested. I don't know if they offered him the job and he told them no, or if he told them no beforehand. Um, but he has been in the, in the final round a number of times, uh, for the jets, he actually declined to interview at all. Um, he was just not interested in, in interviewing with them. Uh, and so, uh, my understanding is that a lot of this is not just driven by, um, how important the fit is to him, you know, whether or not he thinks the organization's a good fit for him. And I think that that's a, an important consideration, um, but also uh, how it will affect his family. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think that his family um, ha- plays a big role in whether or not he's going to take an interview with a particular team. And I think that, you know, stuff like, you know, how old his children are, which I don't know, actually, again, very <laughs> private. Um, but, you know, for example, if his children are in college, it's probably a lot easier for him to move across the country and take a job than if his children are still in school, right? Um, but you know, that I think plays a role, uh, and then kind of, uh, you know, he's constantly in discussions with his wife about whether or not, you know, a particular city or team would be a good fit for him. Uh, and so I think the very fact that he took an interview, um, with the lions and in particular, um, had an in-person interview was indicated to be one of the finalists is probably a pretty good sign that he is interested in the lions just as much as the lions are interested in him. So, um, that I think is pretty important, but also again, I do want to say it seems like he's extremely well regarded in in these circles. I mean, he comes up again and again and again. Interesting. And yeah, I, I'm I'm glad you're going to give us some insight into the Vikings process because I think the the main thing that we all I mean the only thing that we know for sure about him is that he's tied to the hip, hip of Rick Spielman. He has been for his entire career, going back to his days in Chicago and Miami and their personnel departments. So. Um, you know, now he's been with the Vikings for, for 14 years, I think, uh, since 2012, he's been the assistant GM. Mm-hmm. So, um, basically it seems like whatever philosophy he has probably pretty closely associated with Rick Spielman. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I would imagine. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, uh, he gets, uh, as far as I know, uh, you know, he gets involved in helping, um, design the process that the Vikings use and help integrate, um, the various aspects of their personnel department. Um, he is not the director of college scouting. That's Jamal Stevenson. Um, he's not the director of pro scouting. Um, I wish I remembered the name of that person, but that's a different person as well. He's not the director of analytics. That's a that's a former scout that they promoted to that position. Um, but instead, he stands kind of above all of those different departments and helps kind of unite the 
uh, organization's goals and, and assist Spielman in executing Spielman's philosophy. So um, he and Spielman very much, very likely have very similar philosophies when it comes to approaching roster building. That's uh, interesting you mentioned that, Arif, because I, I think the one thing that Lions fans are most interested in learning about is like his scouting acumen, like particularly how it like relates to how ambitious the Vikings have been um, recently in terms of their drafts. I mean, even like we saw last year, the and, and we joked about this with you on, on on numerous podcasts, but the Vikings just had a whole boatload of draft picks. Like, um, how how tuned in do you think he is at that level he's in? Because I, I think it's a level that the the Lions are really interested in in getting somebody who has quote unquote GM experience. And if he's not necessarily the director of pro scouting and not the you know director of college scouting, but he's at this tier where he's you know tied to the hip with Rick Spielman. Um, does it seem like he's ready to take the step to be a GM? Uh, yeah, no, for sure. Um, so uh, I, I, I think that the idea um, originally was that, um, you know, he would be kind of the next successor in line for Spielman. Oh, okay. Um, you know, the Vikings like him a lot, too. It's not just that he's tied to the hip of Spielman. It's that they um, they really appreciate him a lot as well. So um, I, I think that a lot of it just has to do with um, kind of the security that he has within the Vikings organization. and and how much you know the Wilfs have in terms of regard for him. I think that's why it's so easy for him to say, you know, to to other teams um, that you know he's he's not you know interested in taking this interview or that interview or anything like that. So um, that that I think is part of it. I think that um, a lot of teams and the Vikings also think that he is ready to take the role of a general manager, and he's been exposed to every facet of of general managing, as it were. Um, and so it's not like he is a, a salary cap expert who only has, you know, experience with that, like Mike Tannenbaum, and then, you know, kind of gets promoted to that, or he's not just a director of college scouting, like, um, Joe, I'm only thinking of Jets guys now, uh, like Joe Douglas, and, and you know, he gets promoted. He, he has um, dipped his finger essentially into every element of, of personnel that a front office um, would, and, and then he's helped kind of coordinate that to help kind of move the Vikings forward along the philosophy that they want. So he's very familiar with the analytics side. He's very familiar with the cap management side. He's very familiar with the with the scouting side. Um, he has experience, you know, watching film and, and, and doing the kind of the shoe leather scouting going out and, um, and actually going to, to different colleges and talking to coaches and stuff like that. And he also has experience being in a room um, with a bunch of scouts and kind of debating over, you know, kind of where prospects should be ranked and stuff like that. So, uh, in terms of just kind of the broad range of, uh, of uh, assignments and responsibilities a general manager has, you know, he has that, um, which is to say, you know, not every general manager needs to have that, some kind of lean on on delegation and stuff like that. You know, the 49ers GM, um, Lynch, I always forget the first name, John Lynch, right? Hall of Famer? I should know. You got that. it. Yeah. Um, but uh, <laughs> finalist this year has, has not is not a Hall of Famer. Not, oh, yeah, that's right. He's not actually in the Hall of Fame. Well, uh, rip. Uh, I don't think he's getting in this time. <laughs> Um, no, he's but, not. <laughs> but um, but you know he doesn't have any experience in any element of that, and they're a really well-run office. So um, delegation mm-hmm. and and management is a is a bigger part of the role than than just kind of being familiar with every department. But um, he does have that experience, and I imagine that's just an asset. Uh, well, just a quick follow-up to that, Arif is is you know um, with him being viewed as a potential successor for Spielman, is there some kind of like clock that's ticking on Spielman? As being the GM, maybe I don't know. Uh, no, um, so, okay. I mean, like, so so Spielman and Zimmer seem to be tied at the hip at the moment. Um, the okay. a couple of years ago, 
synced up the contract lengths, which is a pretty good signal that um, they kind of view the the two as kind of, you know, if one fails, the other fails sort of thing. Uh, and uh, when they extended the two of them, the, the the last two times they extended them, they extended them for identical contract years. Uh, and so the two of them are, are, are kind of tied together. So, um, for example, next year, um, if, if the Vikings fail to make the playoffs again, there's maybe a strong chance that the Wills will consider letting go of Zimmer, and that likely means also letting go of Spielman. That does not necessarily mean overhauling the entire um, process, and it could mean um, promoting George Payton up internally from within, which is uh, something that that seems to be in the cards, were that to be the case. So um, I, I wouldn't say that there's a clock on Spielman or anything like that, but it is like good to have backup plans. Mm. And it, it's interesting that you mentioned like delegation and all that stuff. And maybe I'm I'm misconstruing it, but it seems like maybe he has a little bit of experience delegating too, being the assistant general manager. You said he's kind of responsible for coordinating all the departments together a little bit. Um, isn't that kind of essentially what he might be doing in Detroit if the Lions? Yeah, I would, I would, I would, I would think so. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and uh, and kind of one of the biggest differences that that he'd have from. Uh, his current you know, kind of projected role based off of kind of inference that we're trying to figure out everything that he's done with the Vikings right. uh, and, the, and the role of the, the general managers that you have to be, um, you know, proactive and creative and designing your vision and trying to trying to determine what the team does. And if he's picking up on the Spielman philosophy, there's actually going to be a lot of collaboration between him and, the head, him and the head coach because Spielman has changed what he looks for in a player directly as a result of the feedback mm-hmm. from the coaches. Uh, and so what the Vikings, um, you know, look for in free agency in the draft has changed over the years, depending on the coaching staff that they have. And it's very clear that whatever they look for in a player um, reflects kind of the conversations that they have with the coach. So, for example, uh, with Leslie Frazier, you know, they looked for cover two players, right? That was a very, like, very clear part of what Leslie Frazier was doing defensively as part of the scheme. But also, you know, Frazier put a little bit more emphasis on things. Um, like uh, like character, right? Uh, over over some other things, or or uh, the ability to generate chemistry and team fit. Um, there was actually kind of a really funny pattern that emerged in in Fraser drafts, where um, Spielman would continue to draft players from the same school, and so uh, <laughs> nearly everybody that was drafted in a particular year had somebody else from the same school drafted to the Vikings that year, um, which was very weird, but it, yeah. it became pretty predictable. Uh, and, and, you know, that was because Frazier thought it was easier for rookies to acclimate to the NFL if there was somebody that they knew that was going through the same process as them. Interesting. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that was a big part of it. Now, uh, Zimmer comes in, and, you know, they're not running the cover two stuff anymore. And, and Zimmer likes to have, you know, defensive ends of a certain size to be a particular type of explosive uh, explosiveness. He likes to have cornerbacks of a certain size. You know, those things were not. Uh, priorities for Frazier in the way that he ran his defense. And, and it turns out all of the metrics that they used to kind of take a look at players, those changed pretty dramatically as a result of the conversations that they had with coaches. The same thing happened on the offense. So with Jeff Davidson, the offensive line coach uh, under Childress and, and you know, kind of the continued um, offense, uh, offense coordinators that they had, you know, Bevel and Musgrave and so on, um, they needed to have offensive linemen that were comfortable running a variety of run blocking schemes because Davidson ran a very complex very multiple uh, run run blocking system that included, you know, man, power, gap, et cetera, as well as wide zone uh, and inside zone. And so um, they needed they needed the players that were capable of executing all of those. Well, uh, after um, they changed the offensive line coach to Rick Dennison and also um, the previous offensive line coach, when they switched to essentially a wide zone scheme, they decided to go uh, towards a direction that would generate much more athletic offensive linemen and de-emphasize things like size. And so they look specifically for you know, wide zone fits. And so that was very clearly a response to 
um, the, play, the the coaches that they had and the philosophies that they were looking for. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, if if Peyton is is going to crib from a lot of the philosophies that Spillman has used, um, it's going to be always a collaborative process every year with uh, with the coaches. And one thing Spielman did is that at the end of every year, um, he'd sit down with uh, with the coaching staff, the entire coaching staff, and say, you know, here's kind of where we succeeded. Here's kind of where we failed. Um, do we want to kind of update what we're looking for in a player in order to kind of accommodate any changes that you need to make um, to the roster? And so sometimes they would say, you know, we overemphasized speed in the past. You know, we, we were a little bit too concerned with making sure that we had fast wide receivers and we didn't do, you know, well enough in jump ball situations or we didn't do well enough looking for good route runners or something like that. So let's de-emphasize that a little bit and make sure um, that we emphasize some of these other traits. And, and they would kind of adjust every single year based off these conversations that they would have with coaches at the end of every year. And here's the really important thing. They also made sure that scouts were in these meetings as well. Uh, and so when when scouts, uh, you know, went out into colleges and stuff like that, after they got kind of the list from Blesto of, of kind of who to, who to keep an eye on and stuff like that, um, the call, you know, the scouts would know when they got into colleges um, that, hey, this is a great player. He's not really a good fit for our system. So we're not going to spend a bunch of extra energy and resources scouting this player, knowing that he's going to go in the second or third round. Uh, and for us, you know, he'd be useful to us, but not at that investment level, maybe at a fifth, sixth round pick. So we're going to write up a small scouting report. We're not going to invest a ton of resources into him. You know, uh, you know, he's a two gap player. We're looking for one gap players or, you know, something like that. And so yeah. um, that would be a, a part of the process that the, the Vikings front office would engage in. So I would imagine that that is likely to continue, even though it takes up a lot of a general manager's time. That's interesting. I mean, you hit on a ton of buzzwords. I think there that that you know Chris Spielman, and we'll get we'll get to his role in all this uh, probably after the break. Uh, but yeah, I, like collaboration, adjustability, communication, all those things are things that the lines are looking for, and I think uh, that makes Peyton uh, an interesting candidate. You got one more question, Ryan, before we head to a break? Yeah, just a quick one. I think that can kind of be tied into what Arif has already touched on and i know you gave the disclaimer that uh it's tough to talk about peyton just because he is um some somewhat reserved and you know he's very private keeps himself and it's unfair to uh as lions fans it's unfair for us to say like all the bad decisions the vikings have made are rick spielman's and all the good ones are are you know george payton's right so um but just Uh, let's let's say it why not yeah let's say it it happens yeah uh, just just a draft-related question. How aggressive has Spielman been in drafting when it comes to draft day trades and things of that nature? Extremely. Uh, he might yeah. be the most trade-friendly GM out there, honestly. Um, so you mentioned kind of earlier at the beginning, and I didn't actually touch on it. Um, so one thing that Spielman always really wants to get, unless you know there's going to be a roster glut, so that's only really happened once, is to get around 10 draft picks in a class. Last year, they got 15. It was hell on me personally. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, um, you know, a lot of years they get between nine and uh, nine and 11. Um, There's only one year where I think they had they had like eight or seven. We asked and he was just like, yeah, we've got too many young guys on the roster already. Um, So it would have made a ton of sense to get 10. Um, But he's kind of of the opinion and, and the analytics community kind of agrees with him that it's probably better to just take a lot of shots rather than it is um, to, to be overly certain about your evaluation and, and, and take a couple of shots and invest all your resources into, into one or two guys instead of four or five guys that you think might be able to make the roster. So um, he's traded down really aggressively. Um, and I think every single year that, that I've looked at it, he's traded down in the third round, whether it is to trade completely out of the third round or to trade just down a couple of spots in the third round to gain um, additional fourth rounders. I think the only time um, that that the Vikings picked even near the top of the third round was to pick Daniel Hunter, 
which you know that worked out pretty well um so yeah it was it's not bad um but yeah and, and it really feels like sometimes this leads to missed opportunities you know um i think that the vikings didn't get the running back they wanted when they drafted Jarek mckinnon like four other running backs went um in the fifth round when they traded down a lot i think they didn't get the kick returner they wanted a number of returners went right after they traded uh and they ended up drafting kj osborne which did not work out very well for the vikings but for the most part um they've been to acquire a lot of late round talent um, which has resulted in, in actual gains on the field. I don't think they would have been able to get Tyler Conklin, who's playing really well for the Vikings right now. Um, I don't think they would have been able to get Ola B.C. Johnson, who is vastly outperforming what you'd expect a seventh-round pick to perform. He may not make the roster next year, but I think that he's doing a lot better than you'd expect seventh-rounders to do. And then Armin Watts is a, is a player that they're really high on. Again, I don't think they'd be able to do that if they didn't have the luxury of extra late-round picks. So that's something that they're... They're very happy to do. And then on occasion, they will aggressively trade up. They did that for Cordell Patterson. Obviously, it didn't work out. Um, I mean, the best kick returner in NFL history, but I don't think that's what they were looking for when they drafted him. Uh, and they traded up to get Teddy Bridgewater. They were really concerned about that fifth-year option. Um, again, without that without that injury, it's difficult to fully evaluate what's happening there. Um, Panthers yeah. are probably going to look to replace him. So, you know, who knows? But, um, you know, that that is something that they're they're kind of willing to do. Spielman does do that. Um, but he, he but he looks for arbitrage opportunities all the time. Um, I think the the best examples of that are when he traded down one spot with the Browns in two separate drafts to get the player that he wanted, but also just to grab like an extra fifth or fourth round pick. Like so, the Browns really wanted Trent Richardson. They were worried that the that the Vikings would um, not draft Richardson, but uh, would sell the pick to somebody else who would draft him. So they traded down one spot, and the Vikings still got Matt Khalil, um, which you know his rookie year that worked out pretty well. Uh, and then um, the Justin Gilbert, Anthony Barr draft where where they traded down one spot with the Browns. Again, the Browns thought that the Vikings wouldn't necessarily draft Justin Gilbert, but would sell the pick to somebody who would. Uh, and so they traded down and got Anthony Barr. So uh, he's looking for all kinds of individual edges uh, in, in these trades. And, and sometimes it works out really, I think, really, really well. Uh, and, uh, and, and they're really aggressive about trying to get a ton of picks. They don't like trading away future picks. They do like trading for future picks. Um, so that's something to probably uh, keep in mind as well. Uh, and then they tend to get people who are more athletic at their particular draft slot and position than a lot of teams. Um, and so that's something to, to keep in mind as well. You know, this is not like a hard rule or anything like that, um, but they tend to like athletes a little bit more. I think that has a lot to do with Zimmer and less to do with necessarily the specific philosophy of Spielman. But he has mentioned many times that there are athletic cutoffs and thresholds that come to them both from the coaches and from their analytics department about the kinds of players that they should be looking for. Uh, and so, uh, you know, cornerbacks, for example, they need to run a fast flying 20. Um, but, you know, the length of the cornerback, that's more of a kind of a Zimmer thing, but that's something that they put into their cutoffs as well. So that's that's all part of it. I mean, it's a fairly analytics-friendly front office, but it's not, you know, driven completely by, you know, the spreadsheets and the numbers. Well, it's sure to make our friend Kentley Platty happy uh to know if if that yeah, ends up being the guy <laughs> um with that let's take our our break uh when we come back we are going to mention the, the elephant in the room being chris spielman and his relationship with uh with the vikings organization and we'll talk a little bit more about the philosophy of the vikings over there and what it means for the lions gm candidate george payton we'll be right back on first bite
Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back on First Bite, talking about George Payton, the Lions general manager candidate who was interviewed in person, reportedly, according to Ian Rapport on Thursday. Uh, we're here with Arif Hassan from The Athletic Minnesota to give us the background on Peyton, um, I want to start with a question from our chat that I thought was interesting because um, you, you mentioned a couple Lions names in, in Jeff Davidson and most notably Daryl Bevel in their connections there in Minnesota. So um, someone from our chat asked, would hiring Peyton push the Lions more towards keeping Bevel or maybe Marvin Lewis rather than I think that Lewis is that did he have a Marvin Lewis background at any point? Uh, not as far as I know, but but Zimmer has a very strong relationship with Marvin Lewis for obvious okay. reasons and. Right. Yeah, that might impact things. But yeah, do do you think I mean, you mentioned at the top how the line, uh, how the Vikings have kind of been flexible in in their philosophy depending on the head coach. Um and and the Lions, you know, they're running both searches concurrently and they don't necessarily have to match up, but um do you think that you know, given the way the Vikings have been run for the past decade and a half or so that that he might have his preference and and want to keep someone like a, a familiar face around? Um, maybe. So I think that the Vikings have one of the one of the biggest problems with the Vikings is uh, what one might uncharitably describe as nepotism. Um, it's been very relationship driven in terms of the coaches that they that they tend to hire, uh, sometimes direct familial relationships, Adam Zimmer and um, and Scott Turner and Clint Kubiak. And uh, I think there's another coach's son that was on the staff pretty recently, too. Um, they've, they've all been on the coaching staff. And then you take a look at, um, you know, who Mike Zimmer has hired. They're typically people that, that he's had a strong relationship with or who has been in the league a long time that he's been able to develop a relationship with. You take a look back, the same thing happened with Leslie Frazier, um, which led to some truly awful hires, incidentally. Um, the linebackers coach, uh, Fred Pugich, as well as the linebackers coach, Mike Singletary, um, both working in the building as linebackers coaches at the same time did not work out remarkably very well. Um, and then uh, Mike Singletary was like demoted, but Frazier, it was, it was Leslie Frazier's friend. So he like didn't want to fire him. And so he just like was a guy on the payroll that just kind of like walked around the building and did nothing. Um, that's a problem. Yeah. And I don't think it's one that, that the line should replicate. I don't think it is necessarily related to the front office. You take a look at the front office structure and, um, there doesn't seem to be that sort of thing. Like, obviously, like we mentioned that George Payton has followed Rick Spielman around, but also, you know, he's so highly regarded that it might just actually be genuinely meritocratic 
And there's nothing wrong with surrounding yourself with people that you're familiar with whose philosophy aligns with yours so long as they're qualified for the position that they hold. Um, and so long as you also give opportunities to other people. And it very much seems like the Vikings do that, at least in the front office. Um, so I do think that relationships will probably help someone like Daryl Bevel, um, you know, if, if he wants to, you know, stay uh, the offensive coordinator or something like that. But I don't think that it would drive the conversation. Um, and then whoever the Lions hires the head coach is going to have the final say either way. And right. so, um, you know, if they're not impressed with Bevel or if they've got their own ideas about who should be the offensive coordinator, they'll probably just bring that guy in. And I don't know that George Payton um, would necessarily go to bat for somebody um, kind of out of line. Like, I think that, you know, he'll say, you know, I've worked with Bevel. You know, here's what I know about him. He's a great guy. You know, this, that and the other thing. Um, but I don't think that he would say, you know, I really think that you should hire him. Like, I, I think that that would probably not be. Uh, in keeping with what we've seen from the front office or in keeping with what we typically see from general manager head coach relationships anyway. Um, so uh, it could mean something in that, you know, if, if you know, something is on the fence, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if the information that Peyton provides on a relationship with somebody that he has would, would help retain that person. But I don't think it would lead to, to something like, you know, hey, I know that you've really got your eye on this, you know, quarterbacks coach that you've worked with in the past that's ready to take the next step up. Um, but I really think, you know, he should wait a little bit, you know, learn under a guy, you know, as experienced as Bevel, probably keep Bevel on. I don't think he would do something like that. Got it. But it's, it's, it is interesting you, you mentioned nepotism because I feel yeah, like I that. It's like who they've hired as head coaches. Is well, like, no, I, yeah. I'm using that as a segue, though, because oh. obviously the big the big connection here. And, and I think a lot of people are concerned that maybe this is the only reason he's a candidate, which I think you've kind of proven is probably not the case. But Chris Spielman is is definitely in, you know, in these meetings, definitely has a big influence on who this next general manager will be. And so, you know, the brother of Rick Spielman. Right. Um, yeah. How close are they? Do, do you have any idea of how how the much are very close? Yeah. Um, so so they so Chris must literally know George Payton like personally. I, I would imagine that they've had each other over for dinner. Like, I, I wouldn't think that this is um, unusual. Um, yeah. And well, this this brings up the kind of the larger uncomfortable conversation about. Um, you know, the lack of opportunities uh, for for particular people in football and, and, the, and the other opportunities that other people in football get. Um, it is, you know, unsurprising that, uh, you know, the relatives of coaches and in particular coaches' sons get a lot of opportunities. Um, and in a lot of lenses, it's not necessarily inappropriate. They've grown up around the game. Uh, they have been mentored by their by by you know usually their fathers or, or their other relatives, um, and they've got a lot of experience that a lot of other people don't have um, that would recommend them to the role. And so, in some respects, it actually does make a lot of sense that you've got kind of this hermetically sealed bubble of who can be an NFL coach or who gets the most opportunities. And it totally makes sense to leverage your relationships to try and get the best people in the building. The concern is if you misevaluate other people that you don't have relationships with because of or in favor of those relationships. Uh, and it's already a problem that it's difficult to break into the coaching ranks. It's difficult to break into um, the FO ranks without those relationships. Uh, and so um, you need to kind of be open to that. The Vikings historically have been open to that on the front office side. Um, so, uh, you know, if Peyton gets in charge of hiring, yeah, he might have, you know, landed on the radar because of the relationship that he has with the Spielmans. But uh, I would not imagine um, that he would be comfortable kind of continuing that throughout the front office first. And then second, yeah, I mean, I mean, he's been a, a top tier sort of uh, candidate. Um, I don't want to say he's been the top candidate or whatever, but he's been an in-demand candidate for years and years and years now. 
Um, and so, you know, like before San Francisco hired John Lynch, you know, he was a candidate there as well. And that's that at the time was a remarkably appealing spot to be in. So for him to be a candidate there, I think means a lot. Um, he's been a candidate, I think, for the San Diego Chargers. He was a candidate for the New York Jets. He's a candidate for undisclosed other teams that I can't name. Um, but, you know, he, he's been um, somebody that uh, has been kind of, oh, uh, he, I, I think he was a, can no, I already mentioned the Jets. Um, but he's been somebody that's been sought after for a long, long time for people that are not related to, or even very, have a very strong relationship with, with Rick Spielman. He's just really well regarded for whatever reason. Again, I, I wish I knew more. Um, he's just really well regarded in, in the circles that, that tend to recommend to owners who they might want to hire. Well, he seems like a smart guy to me for rebuffing the Jets. I mean, let's, let's yeah, get him. Huh? Yeah, I mean, he's and, and the Chargers, actually, honestly. Like, but, he did, he, but he did take an interview with the Lions, guys. <laughs> Maybe he's all out the window. <laughs> uh, Arif, can we role play real quick? Uh, uh, yeah, I guess. Why not? I don't have any right. D20s on me, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, you are George Payton. Um, the 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 talk. Obviously, he's had the interview with the Lions, but there's also um, news that the Broncos have submitted a request to meet with Payton. Too, and I read a Star Tribune article by uh, Ben Gosling. Um, ben Gessling, he, yeah, Gessling, yeah. He, and he mentioned uh, you know another little bit of maybe um, nepotism that might be at work, but uh, in, in the Broncos, uh, George Payton's nephew Rob is a scout. So I don't know how much that would play into potentially, um, you know, him being interested in the Broncos job. But if you are George Payton, which job seems more appealing to you, Detroit Lions job or the Denver Broncos job? That's tough. Honestly, it's tough. Um, I, like, I don't want to be attached to the hip to Drew Locke. Um, but... <laughs> would you would you want to be attached to the hip to John Elway either? Well, I mean, he said he was taking like a step back, right? Like, yeah, you know, he might not. Matter? I don't know. Um, they've got a lot of young talent on offense that's going to be kind of exciting to see develop. You know, if Jerry Judy gets some hands, Cortland Sutton's getting back uh, from injury, um, you might just be in a perfect spot to just draft a quarterback and plug and play. And that, that would be kind of cool. Um, you know, the, the Lions receiving core is obviously pretty stellar. Um, so, yeah, I've been on this podcast like four times, and I'm like, I love the Lions receiving core. Maybe it's just because <laughs> Marvin Jones always puts up a hundo on the Vikings. But... <laughs> Um, but almost 200 yeah yeah, almost 200 uh just just 19 yards away man could have done it i mean um, he technically did do it but that's a different conversation that's a different conversation yeah. <laughs> um, but uh was that was that uh was that the troy died uh, down the middle did they just yeah man lines got hosed yep. <laughs> multiple calls Tracy yeah, Walker, right. yeah, roughing, yeah. roughing the passer. Yeah, the roughing the Come passer on. one, that was pretty bad too, huh? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good thing it got you a better draft pick. I wouldn't complain too much. Uh, yeah. but, but, Thank um, you. But um, yeah, I, 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 think that, I think that it's probably the Broncos because there's a, a little bit less you have to do defensively. Um, and, uh, and, you know, offensively, you know, the Lions is a little bit better. Um, but I, I really think that, you at least get to sit somebody behind Stafford if Stafford isn't leaving this year, which sounds like it's a possibility. So, you know, who knows? But if you could convince Stafford to stay on another year um, or two as, as you know, you kind of continue to to build uh, the team around him, maybe you could sit someone. But I think you probably have a little bit more to do with the Lions. Um, so to me, actually, the tiebreaker is just your perception of the team culture, honestly. Um, and that one's tough, too, uh, because of Elway. 
Uh, you know, normally I would just say, yeah, the Lions have this history. Their team culture is probably not that great. Um, but, you know, hey, if they're serious about the establishing a winning culture and of course Spielman is turning things around and, um, you know, all this other stuff, you know, maybe that breaks it in favor of, of the Lions over over the Broncos. But I, th- I think it's pretty tough, uh, honestly. You know, um, I, I might prefer to live in Denver. And, and you know, I've, I've been on this podcast a couple of times. I actually really like Detroit a lot. Um, so it's it's not it's not like shit on Detroit, but I might prefer to live in Denver. That might be a tiebreaker too. Um, so yeah, honestly, who knows? I, I, it's it's probably just an evaluation that you make based off of your own interview with them. Um, I got one more for you, and I'm going to keep you in the the role playing mode here. Um, I know you're a Seahawks fan. Let's pretend you're a Vikings fan for a second. <laughs> Christ, um, can't escape this. If the lines were to hire George Payton. As a as a theoretical Vikings fan, how would that make you feel? As a theoretical Vikings fan, I'd be <laughs> sad. I mean, it seems like he's done a lot. Again, yeah. we have to be pretty vague, right? It seems like he's important, yeah, right? Right, right? But um, yeah, my understanding is that uh, you know he's he's been doing a lot for the Vikings, and and whatever he's done seems to be positive. Um, so <laughs> I, I I think that it would probably be. Uh, a pretty big loss for the organization. I think the Vikings are anticipating that this is a possibility, which is why they recently promoted Jamal Stevenson, um, maybe to take on George Payton's role. I don't know, but um, yeah, I mean, it would it would it would probably suck. Again, I have to speak in in probabilistic language. It would probably suck, and I would probably feel like the Vikings lost something. But materially, from where I'm sitting, I can't actually identify what that would be. So it's probably easier to take. Fair. Ryan, you got one more before we get out of here? No, this man is too handsome. We need to let him get back to being handsome off this podcast. <laughs> you talking about Jeremy? He's running the podcast. You can't let him go. <laughs> Quit it. Free You're too modest. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, let, let's give you a second and your handsome self to to pip out your stuff. What? Where can people find you if there's any, you know, either Rick Spielman or, or George Payton related material that you might, that Lions fans might want to read? Um, let's yeah, see where it's well, at. Sure. Um, so you can find me over at The Athletic, theathletic.com slash author slash Arif dash Hassan. Um, if you go there and click on any of my stories and then subscribe to that, I get credit. Please keep me fed. Um, I would very much enjoy that. But um, every year I do write a piece about the combine cutoffs that the Vikings seemingly use. I have to go back and look at their history and see you know, what the cutoffs are. But you know, historic, I've been able to find out, for example, um, that, they, that they value 100 inches in the broad jump a lot for offensive linemen. That's been pretty important. Um, I've been able to figure out kind of it looks like they value explosion a lot um, for uh, for edge defenders. Looks like they value three cone a lot for tackles and stuff like that. I, I looked at all of those and um, I, I figured it out essentially for for every position. And they've changed over the years. Like I said, um, you can find those over at The Athletic, what those positional cutoffs are. And that might track. I don't know. It might track going forward. Some of these positional cutoffs were determined by the internal Vikings analytics team. They actually hired an external data scientist to design the process by which that they would, you know, kind of determine these things. And, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, there's there's all kinds of fraud in the in the data science industry. So, you know, maybe they got snookered. I don't know. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just got to keep it real. Right. But yeah. um, but, you know, it's something that they that they take seriously. So you can head over to The Athletic and try and find um, those pieces. Uh, I've also uh, got a pair of podcasts that I'm on regularly as well. Um, one is Norse Code, which is a little bit looser, more informal. Half the time, I'm, well, it's the one that Jeremy was on. Um, it's So obviously, it's the less important one. Um, <laughs> no, but I, have, I mean, half the wow. time, like we talk about whatever team we're about to go up against, and that's the interview segment. And then the other half, I'm talking about like food or movies or whatever. So that one's pretty fun. And also, 
Uh, I'm, I'm also on the football machine, which actually has a beat reporter that does actual journalism, unlike me. Um, and so that one's a little bit more serious when it comes to talking about the Vikings. So you can find that uh, both of those wherever you can find podcasts. If you want my bad political takes, you know, this will go to the Wide Left podcast, which is which updates like uh, once every couple of months. Who knows? Well, there you go. Arif Hassan, one of our favorites, or at least used to be one of our favorites before that last punch in. Uh, appreciate you joining us. Man. Build you up, punch you down. It's fine. Uh, We're there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Even kill. All right, Arif, thanks for joining us. And thank you for listening, everybody. We will be back soon with, a, uh, with another full podcast, probably Monday or Tuesday, and then another couple first bites in there as well, talking about more GM and, and head coaching candidates for the line. So stick with us. Until then, it's chaos. Be kind.